You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Off the back in 28-7, I'm Ready Jet, puts it to Sleepy. Here comes Queen Alina though, she hooks to the outside. Balances up three metres off, I'm Ready Jet. I'm Ready Jet, turn for home in front. Queen Alina those joining in, they beat off Sleepy, they're well clear of O Fortuna. As Queen Alina moved up outside of I'm Ready Jet with 100 metres to travel. Two outstanding trotting mares in a duel. Queen Alida's put her nose in front and Queen Alida will win it. Queen Alida first has beaten I'm Ready Jet by about... Yeah, she's a good mare, all right. That was a great race there last weekend at Melton. The group won. Her record's quite phenomenal. Queen Alida, 37 starts for 20 wins, 7 seconds and 5 thirds. And that was just copybook stuff uh, as Chris Barsby joins us. Uh, Chris Alpha was able to tuck in behind the leader and that made the difference, Chris. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. No doubt about it. She's a high-quality mare. There was that little bit of temptation about taking her to Auckland for the upcoming features over there, races like the Anzac Cup, the Row Cup. They've decided against that. The stable, mate, the last start, Group 1 winner, Elder Baron Zeus. He'll fly the flag for the Brent Lilly stable, but uh, I think there's plenty of good options here in Australia for Queen Elida. And uh, it's always great seeing Chris Alford drive winners. He's one of the all-time legends of the sport, and uh, he drove that mare perfectly last week. There wasn't a lot of room there to tuck in behind the leader, but he got in there. No, he finds a way. <laughs> Don't mm. worry. So he's just uh, he's just a classic. And Chris, just on what I touched on with, um, we've talked about Norwell plenty of times, uh, opening up hopefully in 2026, the uh, Queensland Harness Centre. And at the moment, uh, I see on the Racing Queensland website, they're starting to take submissions from racing harness racing participants to get their thoughts on, on some of the things that they've got in mind for that development. Yeah, it's a, it's a natural step, but it's a good step. It's a forward-thinking step. So all licensees here in Queensland have been sent out to, uh, a reminder about this option where you can, you know, have your say on what the new centre could and maybe look like going forward. So it'll be very interesting to see and read some of that feedback. So uh, this this is a positive move. There's no doubt about it, getting the feedback so we get it right because we're operating with a blank piece of canvas here, Steve. So we have the opportunity to make it great and do it right from the very start. So all feedback is going to be welcome, so it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of feedback they do receive. Yeah, I'll just read the uh, quick paragraph from the website. Industry participants and partners are being requested to provide feedback by the way of listing what they believe to be negotiables or non-negotiables for the Queensland Harder Centre. Answers received from industry participants and partners will be utilised to form the project brief for the Queensland Harness Centre. Our first guest is with us, which is Andrew Kelly. The Chief Executive of Harness Racing Australia, he joins us first up. Andrew, really appreciate the time. Good morning. Hello? Yep, you've got us now, so I was just saying good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chris. How are you going? And I was just um, uh, listening um, there a moment ago when you are talking about the submissions and the surveys happening at the moment. And I'm sure you'll have your own, uh, which will include a race caller's box of some note, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. We are operating from a new tower, believe it or not, Andrew. So uh, it's only just a month old, but uh, I like what we've got now at Albion Park. It's only going to be for a short term, but hey, it's better than uh, what we had previously. But 
just on the Norwell uh, side, and uh, as we know, Albion Park set to close, making way for a uh, an Olympic side for the 2032 Olympics. Um, it, it's exciting. It, it's something just completely brand new because everyone thought that Albion Park would be there forever, but uh, Norwell, it opens up so many new doors. Oh, exactly right, and the opportunities are endless. And um, uh, when they are endless, uh, you know, any road can get you there. So that's why it's so important that this work has been undertaken by Racing Queensland and those involved at the creek at the moment and being able to put together um, you know, what will be a great package for the industry moving forward. It's... Um, uh, more than just a, a, a racetrack, I'm sure, in people's minds at the moment, and you know, looking for those, particularly the younger crew that are coming through in uh, in Queensland, and there's so many of them in both the training and the driving ranks, looking to invest longer term. You know, this is a really important uh, jewel in the crown of the industry, and um, yeah, it looks like everything's pointing in a really positive direction at the moment. So, congratulations to all involved. Yeah, no doubt. I wanted to talk to you about a range of topics this morning, but first and foremost, this Saturday night, Albion Park, we've got the Australian Female Drivers' Championship taking place. We missed the series last year. Albion Park was currently underwater this time last year, so out of action. So the last time this series was staged two years ago down in Tasmania. But this series seems to get bigger and bigger year by year. And just the, the evolution of the females in the sport, not only as trainers, but drivers, they're... They're just everywhere and they're dominating as well. Yeah, they are right throughout the ranks and it's great to see. Um, I, I don't know if there's a more inclusive uh, uh, sport than harness racing in the um, in the country and it's just great to see that you know it really is a, le- a level playing field. But despite that, it's great to be able to allow um, you know the, 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 the women of our sport to really shine and this is a great opportunity or another great opportunity for that to happen. And, you know, I just love the way in which... Um, uh, everyone has also embraced Team Teal and uh, the Women Can uh, Foundation and the, and the messaging in that as well. So not only have we got some great things happening uh, on the track in terms of um, uh, the female talent, but there's some great uh, work happening off the track as well in terms of bringing attention and education to, to, to issues, particularly those that affect women in such a way. Just on the Team Teal campaign, it's remarkable. Year by year, I mentioned this series seems to get bigger year by year, the the Female Drivers' Championship. But Team Teal, and I know you've played a really important role in developing this, but it, it has just gone to a whole new level. Oh, exactly right, and yeah, hats off to the team behind behind that at, at Women Can, and also Duncan McPherson, um, you know, whom uh, you know most of your listeners would be aware uh, lost his his wife Lynn uh, to the insidious disease being ovarian cancer, and from that uh, moment forward, he certainly um, you know poured his heart and soul into um, in, into um, the, you know, this particular campaign, but also you know it's there for all to see his passion for the uh, for the sport of harness racing and particularly the trotter as well, and being able to combine both those things has meant that we've been able to take that um, that nationally and you know the role of harness racing australia is only a small one in the greater scheme but you know joining those dots bringing people together and also over the ditch there in um, in new zealand now as well so um yeah you you're spot on uh, both of these things have been able to um, 
uh, to operate and expand in parallel with each other, and it's only a good thing that they can combine at, uh, at at this time of year. But you know, back to your earlier point about the talent that's on the track this Saturday night at the creek. It's uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it, it's really strong, and really looking forward to it. Uh, we actually have a meeting of uh, all the HRA member CEOs on uh, on Friday, um, dealing with some particularly uh, difficult topics. So it's going to be great to be able to have a, a bit of a social night and and be able to witness that firsthand. So yeah, we're really looking forward to. Well, we've got 10 races on Saturday night, a six-race series for the Australian Female Drivers' Champion, two, uh, yeah, the Australian Drivers' Championship. We've got two drivers from each state, so representing the home state of Queensland, Narissa and Talia McMullen. Then we've got Amanda Turnbull, Gemma Coney, New South Wales, Ellen Tormey, Michelle Phillips, Victoria, Danny Hill, Samantha Pascoe, South Australia, Denny Roberts and Emily Savalco, Western Australia, and from Tasmania, Tiana Ford and Hannah Van Dongen. So we've got some really good drivers, and these girls are going to give it all they've got. They always do. They put on a great show, and uh, it's going to be very competitive on the track. Yeah, exactly right, and and uh, you know, as I said before, just can't wait for it to uh, to, to unfold now, and and I know that uh, you know everyone involved is uh, is looking forward to being a being a part of it, and it sounds um, like you you'll um, have a great night as well, uh, being yeah, able to, to to call this home. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. There is going to be a cocktail function uh, as part of the night at Albion Park, and with uh, ticket sales and proceeds from raffles and and plenty of other things they're doing on course. Uh, a lot of that is going to go to the Women Can Foundation. So Queensland raised over $15,000 as part of the Team Teal uh, campaign for 2023, and uh, they're hoping to raise a few more. So if you're looking for a night out, $25 per ticket, just contact the club. A couple of other things that I wanted to talk to you about, just from a Queensland perspective, we had a new record established earlier this week, Monday afternoon, Albion Park. Nathan Dawson, the quickest century to start a season, eclipsing the previous mark, which was jointly held by Daryl Douglas and Chris Alford. So Nathan is off to an absolute flyer. Oh, absolutely right. And that was actually a remarkable stat that um, uh, Chris Alford and Daryl Douglas had tied at 87 days. But for Nathan to come in one day under, what a brilliant outcome. So, um, yeah, he's, he's done a fantastic job. And as I spoke to a, um, uh, one of the leading participants in Queensland yesterday, he said he could he could drive a popsicle stick to victory at the moment. He's going so well. So, yeah, hats off to Nathan. He's done a, a, an outstanding job. And, um, you know, I think um, at the awards night, uh, earlier this year, when I was, in, I was in Queensland, there was something like 12 drivers drove over 100 winners last year in Queensland. The, the ranks are really strong, and for him to be off to such a flyer uh, at the start of the year, you know, only three months in now, is a great testament to how well he's going. But, gee, he's got some great talent up there. Mm. And just on that, the World Drivers' Championship later this year, I think it's in Berlin up in Germany this year. I think it's August. When are we likely to get an announcement from HRA about who is going to represent our country? Yeah, it's a good question, Chris. We'd uh, like to be making that announcement reasonably soon. In fact, we're under a little bit of pressure from some of the international uh, authorities to get this um, to, to get this to happen. But yeah, I think we'll be hearing about this in the in the in the coming days and. Um, yeah, there's some really good stories behind that to come as well. But you're right, the um, series itself will run, um, will conclude in Berlin, uh, but there will actually be races in the Netherlands and then Belgium and and finishing up in uh, in Germany. So um, there's not so much racing between those three countries um, you know, in terms of being able to host the uh, series outright in, um, in in just the one space. So from that perspective, it will travel around. So a great opportunity for whoever is able to uh, to take that. 
that spot and and, uh, and represent Australia. And I'm sure they'll do an excellent job. But that's coming up in uh, uh, the third week of August. So, yeah, not that far away now. Okay. You just mentioned the evolution of Queensland. We've got some fantastic drivers up here. Uh, the carnival, the, the winter carnival, the constellations, as it's now known, Andrew, continues to get bigger and bigger, uh, bigger and bigger year by year. Uh, we've got the Inner Dominion returning for the first time since 2009. First time since 2001, the Inner Dominion returns to Albion Park. Um, not only have we got some great drivers up here, we've got some great trainers. And many will say that the best horse in Australia right now is right here in Queensland and Leap to Fame. You've spent a, a fair chunk of time in Queensland in various roles. Are you at all surprised with the evolution of Queensland? No, I'm not. I think um, the foundation has always been very, very strong, and from that um, from that perspective, to see um, the talent that's been able to uh, to come through, they've had really good role models. They've had people um, who have been um, very generous with their time and giving back to the industry, and particularly those coming through. So I think, um, yeah, not only has there been really strong foundations and good people in uh, in place there, um, they've been able to actually mentor and do some 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 good work to bring the people on. However, um, if you look at the administration over recent times, it's also done an excellent job as well. So um, you know, those involved at Racing Queensland, um, you know, it is a three-code um, organisation and often um, uh, outside of the thoroughbreds, people might feel a little bit lost or uh, or cast to one side. But I think um, you know, Racing Queensland's done an excellent job in um, in racing as one has been as has been some of their themes. So um, you know, there's some uh, excellent support from the racing minister. Grace Grace is uh, is excellent in that role and very very supportive. There's some great um, also financial foundations in place with in relation to um, the, the tax parity. Um, there's infrastructure happening, I think, you know, to all org as well. And, um, you know, some of the bonuses around Cubred now are also, um, you know, jealously looked upon from other states. So there's lots of pieces to these puzzles to make it, um, to, to make the industry great. And it can fall away very quickly. So managing them is, uh, is equally as important. But, um, you know, I, I just take my hats off as everyone has played a, a significant role in um, uh, in the industry. They have to uh, to get it to where where it's headed at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I uh, often uh, raise Queensland as a shining light and an example of what can happen. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Chris. There's great talent and there's great opportunity, and yeah, uh, yeah, we're really seeing that come to the fore now. Absolutely, and we could see it come to the fore even more on a national scale later this year. And I know this is near and dear to your heart. The uh, the Tabureka, $2.1 million, the world's richest harness race. Queensland's going to have a real strong candidate. Not only one, but two horses will be representing Queensland in that race because we've got Leap to Fame. We know Kevin and Kay Seymour have their own slot, so they're likely to use that with Leap to Fame. Uh, Racing Queensland border slot. They've got the Hayden race, so the winner of that race throughout the constellations will then go on to represent Racing Queensland in this Eureka race. So this is going to be some sort of spectacle in early September. Yeah, exactly right, Chris. We're, you know, there's no hiding the fact that um, you know, we're very excited about the concept of having the world's richest race in, in Australia. Um, and it's great that the way that um, uh, the slot 
uh, the slots have worked themselves out. There is representation from right around the country as well. And, um, we appreciate that it's been a little controversial and you know, a, a little bit rocky uh, in some quarters in terms of getting uh, getting it off the ground. But now it's up and running, and and, and you know all, all the roads seem to be leading to to the Tabirica. It's on the on everyone's lips, and that will only continue to unfold as more and more slot holders unveil their uh, their, their plans. Um, some slot holders have some ambassadors to uh, to announce soon, and I think that you'll hear of some uh, more um, additional races to come. Um, you know, not quite um, of the Hayden level, but not far off it. Um, that some slot holders are looking at conducting their own their own exercise to unveil or, or find their own horse. So, this is exactly uh, what we had planned from the word go. That you know, there's many layers to this. There's the slot holders, yes, but then there's the deals that need to be done with the horses. Um, uh, to, to racing the slot holder's slot. Uh, the connections are all involved with that and there's the speculation and the media coverage, etc., which we couldn't have been, couldn't be happier about at uh, at this point in time. And, yep, as we underscored before, you know, leap to fame, clearly. Um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll have a role to play in that yet to be announced, um, but, you know, you, you would expect that that would be something that would be happening. And, obviously, the um, introduction of the Hayden and... Um, yeah, it was great just listening to the cricket uh, recently in uh, in India and the dulcet tones of, of Matthew Hayden, thinking that you know a, a person who's able to um, you know represent um, his country in such a way and himself in such great um, in great manner, um, you know behind the, the the microphone at some trying times in um, in India recently, he's um, you know lending his name to something that's fantastic in um, in the in the harness racing space and the way in which that is then. Um, uh, you know, diving into and 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 manifesting in um, other di- diversive ways and and assisting First Nations people and, and the activities around that. It's just such a great way to be able to to combine so many uh, great things about our sport and the community and bringing them all together. Yeah, very exciting indeed. We look forward to it. And just on that race, like so, we're all talking leap to fame, catch a wave, captain ravishing. This is a great thing for the sport that people are talking about these horses. They've all got their favourites. People are quite parochial on who is the number one seed, but uh, we'll probably get that answered come the Eureka in September. That's right. And maybe a lot of these horses won't have um, uh, crossed paths until that point in time. So, um, yeah, it's it's mouth-watering every time I think about it. It just uh, just starts to get exciting. And the night itself, in terms of the presentation of the uh, race meeting for those that um, uh, are on track, the way that the presentation will happen in the broadcast is, um, you know, nothing's off limits in terms of the planning for that at the moment. And we're hoping to present in a way that, um, you know, is new and fresh and continues to bring new people um, uh, or interest new people in our sport, uh, you know, particularly looking at ways to um, to improve ownership and syndication and those sorts of things so that there is a lasting legacy for these activities that we're, that we're undertaking. And again, you know, Queensland has a major role to play in that. Yeah, well, we look forward to that. That's going to be uh, here before we know it. One other thing I just wanted to touch on this morning before I let you go, Queensland verging on another record, and this may well happen as early as next Tuesday afternoon. Lancelot Bromack, he's well-known here in Queensland. He's now 13 years young. And this speaks volumes for the longevity of uh, the standard bred horse. But he will break a record. I think he's already got the record, but 500 race starts. No, no standard bred has ever achieved that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew. 
No, 100% right, Chris. <laughs> it must be just so exciting. Um, uh, you know, p- particularly for the for for the connections and with his trainer having had him from the um, from the word go, it's just um, yeah, qu- quite amazing to have his first race start at the Gold Coast in May 2012. Um, you know, and less than 10 years later, he's had 500 starts. It's a remarkable feat, and you know, quite often you say a feat that will never be broken. People thought that about um, you know. Kareem's record in the NBA only to be overtaken by LeBron. Um, you know, recently we've got Destrios who, you know, was well into his high four uh, hundreds. Um, you know, recently being not recently but being overtaken by Lancelot Bromac on his way to five hundred and pushing through that barrier. It's just yes, he's got the record now, but you know, five hundred just has his ring about it, doesn't it? And uh, you know, he he ran second yesterday, so he's he's still he's still enjoying his time on the track. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, just in, in wrapping up, the NR system, is it still work in progress or are you comfortable with where it sits right now? Yeah, it's a good question because all of the statistics would show that it's working fantastically well. Um, you know, I think there was something on our website we put out not long ago to highlight the fact that, um, you know, that not only has prize money in the industry increased 12.5 million across the board, but um, you know that 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 has also manifests itself in some um, unbelievably great wagering figures. Now, of course, revenue is under pressure, but wagering increases on the back of competitive races that are of the liking to um, to, to the punter. We've had um, you know an amazing number of. Uh, uh, races this year, the average starts per horse is up around 13.5 now, which is uh, per year, which is remarkable when you look at um, other codes and also internationally. Um, and the competitive racing continues to, to um, be shown with regard to the starting prices of the horses, which in some states is um, you know 50% less odds on favourites than, than was the case before ratings started. Now, that doesn't mean that the system itself works without... Um, uh, some really good um, programming and I think you know, when most of the discussions take place around whether or not it's a rating systems or a programming um, uh, the programming issue I think they both have to work hand in hand so um, you know, we're comfortable with, uh, uh, with the rating system um, and how it's, um, how it's unfolded Another thing that I'd mentioned to both the industry and also the listeners is that the spread of prize money this year has been um, you know, quite remarkable in terms of uh, something like 48% of horses earning more than $10,000 has never happened before. Um, and uh, the, lo- the smallest percentage of horses earning between zero and $1,000. So clearly, um, you know, the areas that we had highlighted at the time of introducing the handicapping system, known as the rating system, um, you know, we can we can see that there's been some uh, advancements in each of those particular areas, but it's never perfect, Chris. So to your point, um, I think it's always a work in progress, and there's always ways in which we can look at matching the um, the, the rating system and programs in order to to um, you know continue to make attractive racing product and. Um, some people within the industry listening today would be, also be aware of some uh, some new traceability rules, which were introduced into um, uh, into the Australian harness racing rules recently. And uh, it's important that people are able to keep uh, keep us uh, abreast of what their status of their horse is and when it's ready for racing. Because in time, what we're hoping to develop is a is a really strong system that you know, not necessarily automated, but almost um, being able to use the information within the database to generate um, 
the programs to fit the horses that are available to race at any particular point in time. So, um, yeah, it's an area that we're always working away at and, and looking to improve. And, and um, you know, that, Brett Rail is obviously a big part of those conversations that we um, that we have at a national level and they continue to happen on a regular basis. All right, excellent. Andrew, as always, really appreciate the time and we'll see you tracks on on Saturday night for the Australian Female Drivers' Championship. No, looking forward to catching up with you and everyone else and seeing the great talent on the track. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. It's, uh, it's great to have a chat. Bye for now. Yeah, absolutely. Chief Executive of Harness Racing Australia, Andrew <laughs> Kelly, joining us this morning. So uh, plenty of news to get through there. And just on that Australian Drivers' uh, Championship, the Female Drivers' Championship, this Saturday night. So back at Albion Park, it was washed out last year because of the flooding. Last time it was staged at Albion Park, that was 2019. Narissa McMullen was successful. So she's on her home soil here on Saturday night. She returned to race driving yesterday. Here's hoping she can walk away with another big title there on Saturday night. So plenty to look forward to. As I said, tickets are available, $25. So they're putting on a little cocktail function and all of the proceeds from Saturday night are going to Women Can. So it's going to a very good uh, uh, foundation there. And uh, hopefully they can raise uh, some more funds off the back of Team Teal. So there's a lot to look forward to on the weekend. Speaking of Queenslanders and Queenslanders doing well, Alvin Rosario Lespina, father-son operation, they're enjoying great success and they have for a number of years now. Here in Queensland, more so recently down in New South Wales, they've teamed up with Ricky Alchin in recent times and the success is extraordinary. Group one success again last Saturday night, Bathurst claiming another gold tiara final. Rosario Lespina joins us now. He's online. Rosario, appreciate the time. Congratulations. Uh, no problem, Chris, and um, thanks very much, mate. It was, a, it was one hell of a thrill. She's unbeaten this filly. Four starts, four victories, and she looks so, so exciting. Yeah, Ricky's had a pretty big opinion of her from when he broke her in, and um, he was just saying that the, the best thing about her was her attitude and her manners. And then, um, you know, as he... As she went through the program, she was able to do it, everything that he asked her, and she kept stepping up. And um, uh, he never got too carried away, but he, he did say, "I think, I think this filly is really, really nice, and uh, he's been proven to be right uh, yet again." Yeah. Well, so tell me, how many times have you won the gold tiara now? Uh, we've won it twice and run second twice. The tiara. Okay. And you. Yeah. That's the tiara. And with the gold crown, you won it last year with Tardelli. Is that the only time you've won the crown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very, yeah, very grateful. Uh, never take it for granted, that's for sure, because it's so bloody hard to do. Yeah. But you guys have been going to Bathurst for years now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it's like a second home. We, we love going down there. We love the people, and um, they put on a great show. And, uh, you know, if we've got horses that can support the, support the carnival, um, we're happy to take them down there. And it's it's always sort of, you know, anyone who's trained for us sort of know that it's a, a, a target that we like if it's possible. So horses are sort of geared for it um, pretty early on if, they, if they're showing, you know, enough ability. Mm. And it was a night that didn't have its uh, its drama. Uh, and this is not unusual for Gold Crown Night because uh, I remember <laughs> being down there a few years ago, the lights went out, and then on Saturday night you had storm activity, so all races delayed. So they, they made you hang around for it. Oh my God! It was it was apocalyptic. Honestly, it was about an hour before the races. It was lightning that you could actually see coming straight down onto the mountains, and rain that was it was insane. It was just absolutely insane. But thankfully, it subsided, and um, 
and they were able to get away. And the, you know, Jason Hewitt down there in the team on the track did a spectacular job to get that track going as good as it was with um, with, with everything that happened because it really was apocalyptic. Okay. So out of all of those big successes that you've had at Bathurst, Luxa Turner, where, where does that rank for you guys on Saturday night? Oh, it just seemed, you know, Dad was a bit crook on the way down. So just to see him bounce back and then be able to get the win was, was pretty pretty special. But it's hard to say. They're all different. But I think this filly who, you know, who, who forms very good, but the fact that she drew the, the two on the back line, then there was the scratching, so she came into one on the back. So we're just getting worse and worse as we went along because the one barrier we obviously said before, we don't want one on the back line. So guess where she started from? One on the back line. So we were just thinking, how bad can this possibly get? And then Ricky, um, before the race, he said, look, what do we do here? And he said, I have an idea. What do you think? And I said, mate, you're the driver. You get paid the big bucks. You decide. Anyway, you know, to win it would be good. And uh, he said, well, I'm just going to drive it like the best horse, I think. Take, we'll try and take luck out of it and hope for the best. And yeah. uh, and he certainly did that. He let it balance up. And then when she went, I think uh, one of Emma Stewart's came out in front and she got a little bit of a, a balk uh, at that. Then he got a clear run and then he was just foot to the floor and said, right, here we go. Let's see how good you are. Yeah. And um, fortunately, she was able to, uh, to to get the job done. The lady actually sitting behind me said uh, to her partner, said, oh, I don't think this, uh, she can't keep going, surely. And in my mind, I was thinking, I don't think she can keep going either because it would have been scary what she ran that second quarter in. Um, but fortunately, she did and she, she's tough. And when the other one sort of got to the wheel, she just kept going and it was, it was very exciting, very yeah. exciting. I was thinking the same, Rosario, at Steve, watching it. Any yeah. idea what, what the quarter may have been there, using that field to try and get to the cross? Uh, I don't know because I think it was 29, low 29s, I think, the second quarter. So she was flat out. So she'd have to run 28 or if not slightly better to get from where she was around to the front. And, uh, you know, two-year-old filly's on a sticky track because I don't think any horse broke 28 seconds on that track, which the, normally with horse quality like that in the free-for-all and the other races, you know, they'd normally sprint a few 27 quarters somewhere. But it was, um, yeah, it would be scary to think how, how fast she actually was going. And, um, and then to be able to hold off a nice horse like... Um, the one Amanda Turnbull was driving was was really exciting. She's beautifully bred as well. She's by this absolutely gun siren Captain Treacherous, but she's out of one of your mares, and this is a, a family that you've had great success with. She's turning out to be an absolute broodmare gem, the arch nemesis. Yeah, I think I think it was the, the best twenty grand we spent. Actually, um, she was a really nice, a nice you know filly in herself that had a few issues, and she lost an eye, actually. Um, but um, she was able to win six or seven races and, um, you know, and win them well. And then she just started producing as a broodmare and uh, she, hasn't let, you know, she really hasn't let us down. And, um, yeah, there's a lovely uh, weanling, uh, Captain Treacherous, on the ground that I had a look at actually when I was down in Bathurst at Brooklyn Stud, who do a great job, uh, Janet and the team and Mel. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, and she's in foal, I think, again to Treacherous. So, you know, why would you change it, I suppose, if it's working? Yeah, absolutely. A question I've got to ask, because someone asked me this the other day. How many horses roughly on the books for you guys? Um, okay. At the moment, in training, um, we've got some with Ben uh, Battle up here in Brisbane, who, who does a great job. I think there's three with Ben. And I think Ricky and Work at the moment has, uh, off the top of my head, to be seven or eight because we've sort of got some that, you know, go off for a spell. We've got a two-year-old that went off for a little break now and bring you back later. But, yeah, I would say be in work, it would be about oh, 10, 
give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not 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 a huge not a huge number, but we we try and concentrate, uh, as you know, with the younger ones. And um, yeah. if they're able to make it, they're great. If not, we just give them some time, turn them out, and bring them back. And it's quality over quantity, obviously, as well. Tard Dilly, what's yep. the update with him? Uh, the forgotten horse. Um, he's uh, he's back in work. He's been in work for a while, and his target is Brisbane. Um, uh, the last time I spoke to Ricky was on the weekend. He seemed pretty happy with him, um, very happy with him. So, you know, we've sort of purposely held him a little bit for this carnival coming up um, in, in Brisbane. So, yeah, all being well, he'll he'll be trying to um, have a crack at that three-year-old Redcliffe race and then the Derby and, and whatever else is suitable for him, you know, touch wood. But he, yeah, there was nothing really majorly wrong with him. He just had some bone bruising, basically some young horse stuff. And, you know, they, they race so hard these days. You know, I think his average mile rate was 54 or something, and that's insane for a two-year-old. So um, we just thought we'd better give him a good time off before anything, you know, does go wrong. So if he got an invitation to the Rising Sun, would you guys consider it? Would you accept it? Uh, I, I, well, I'd love to consider it um, if someone was, uh, you know, wanted to do that, but I suppose we've got to see him race. But that, again, that would be up to Ricky. You know, those sort of decisions would leave it up to him. But knowing that you would draw well is always an advantage. Um, but, you know, first of all, we're hoping he comes back as good as we think he can. And um, But, yeah, definitely, if he did come back, and someone was interested, or, yeah, we've got an invitation, then, um, yeah, we'd definitely have to consider it. Okay. Uh, this weekend, we've got sales in, in Redcliffe. Uh, I think yep. you've got one going through that sale. Melbourne, yep. are, are you looking at both? Uh, not in Melbourne, no. We bought a couple in at the Sydney sale, and um, we had a filly at the Brisbane sale that was for sale, but she didn't reach her uh, reserve, so we, we took her home. And it'll be the same with this guy on, on Sunday. If he doesn't meet, you know, what we want for him, then he'll um, he'll come home as well. All right. Now, just going back to Luxa Turner, I've got to ask this question as well. Uh, where to next? And the other one, uh, what is she named after? Metallica have a song. She's not named yeah. after a Metallica song, is she? No, even though I do like that song, and I do like <laughs> a lot of it. Even though, I, even though I work in opera, I do like a lot of other music. But um, no, it was actually one of the one of the um, uh, classical pieces that I do is the, or have a, the role of the tenor in is the Verdi Requiem, which is quite a sombre thing, but it has a wonderful piece of music called, you know, Lux Eterna in it, Eternal Light. And I just thought, you know, that sounds pretty classy name and she seems like a classy filly, so we'll try and match the two up. And um, yeah, so far it, it seems to suit her. I, mean, I suppose when they've got ability, every name seems good, but, uh, but no, I, that, that's where it came from, actually. Okay. A piece of music, and, yeah. and with you being a, an operating tenor, where are you off to next? Where's your next international performance? Uh, well, actually, I'm in Australia for quite a bit uh, this year. I'm actually off to Melbourne in uh, about a week, uh, two weeks' time. I've got a few things to do in Melbourne, and then I'm off to Perth, uh, back in Brisbane for a little bit. I've got some couple of concerts up here, and then off to Perth in August. And then we do the big um, Wagner's ring cycle up here in Brisbane. Opera Australia is bringing up the ring cycle, which will be bigger than Ben-Hur. It'll be, it goes for two months or something. It's, it's huge. So we're, um, yeah, we've got that coming up. But for the filly, we'll have, her next start will be the Nutrien, in the Nutrien series later. She's up for a break now.
Okay, okay. So yeah. just putting all that together, just with your schedule, you've timed that well. It sounds like July is free, which is our carnival time. So you'll be trackside and you won't have to do too much work by the sound of it. Yeah, July, there's a couple of things, but in general, it's 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 looking pretty um, – there's a few holes in, in July, so that's that's quite quite good. Just so many times I've missed big nights because I was working, which is great, but, uh, you know, you try and have one of you on the radio when you're in the dressing room, but um, <laughs> sometimes you just can't, so – uh, yeah, I missed the I missed Tardelli's win last year, and that was, that was very frustrating. Yeah, you must get some uh, strange looks in the uh, in the dressing room when here you are about to perform, and you're listening to a a radio, listening to a horse race. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah, I've been caught many things, and it's very strange because it, the two don't sort of marry up the classical music and the trots. But uh, I suppose that's what makes life interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, variety. Yeah, yeah, too right. It's the spice of life, as they say. So yeah, mate, uh, you, keep keep yeah. changing it up. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job. Uh, the family's doing a great job, and you've got a really good one here in this unbeaten filly. So looking forward to seeing her next. Looking forward to seeing you guys during the carnival in July as well with Tardelli. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Chris. And uh, as always, great calling. Uh, we love listening to your calls. You make them very exciting. I don't boost his ego. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rosario. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Bye -bye. Rosario. Yeah, Rosario Laspina joining us. Chris, just with Captain Treacherous, uh, I think his fee yep. is it up just over $20,000 uh, at the moment? Yeah, yeah definitely mm. over $20,000. So um, he's just got winners everywhere. Yeah, I'm just looking like, at some um, of them, Chris. Uh, just on the website here, Catch a Wave, obviously, Tough Tilly yep. and Cypher, Millwood Nike, yep. Treachery, It's All About Faith, Jewel Melody, Captain's, or, uh, Captain's Queen, Lux Attorney you just spoke about, Chart Topper, Lightning Dan, Double the Light, Captain Shuffles, Captain's Knock, Captain Me, a Montana DJ, Captain Richie, um, <laughs> Captain Crunch, Catch the Fire, list goes on and on. Tough Tilly, they, Catch they, a, They're yeah. all young horses too. Yeah. I think his oldest crop are only four, I think maybe five, but definitely only uh, a young crop and he's just got feature race winners everywhere. So it's, it's phenomenal the job he's doing. Yeah, frozen semen, it says in Victoria, 22,000, including GST. Darren Clayton's with us. Darren, good morning. Morning, Chris. Morning, Steve. What do we make of the past week since we last spoke last Wednesday? There's plenty to talk about. Let's talk about Leap to Fame because I want to bring this up. We we're talking about uh, Racing Queensland invites. So as it stands, uh, Leap to Fame has been invited, but no decision has been made on whether they're going to accept or decline now as crazy as that sounds if they do decline he's therefore eligible to contest the queensland sun which is a really important lead-up race to the rising sun so that's the the method there but if they do accept the invitation that rules him out of contesting the queensland sun yeah, well, I, I guess I could see the the benefit of that, and it'd be a, a pretty good hit out to get him a to get him a run through. Um, yeah, I've said like obviously, I don't think um, it matters whether they, he gets invited or or went to that Queensland Sunny. He gets in the field anyway, so um, I guess the connections there hold the whip hand because they can choose how they get into the race, and they'll be in the race if they want to be. Yep, he will be uh, back in racing action next Tuesday. There's heats of the APG series next Tuesday. That final comes up on the 15th, so he'll be back at the races next week. So we look forward to that. And Merlin, fresh off his victory in the uh, the Great Northern Derby 
uh, last Friday night for Barry Purden and Dean Shannon. He's another one that is expected to be invited to contest the Rising Sun. So that, that's a, a good get uh, if they choose to accept because he is a high-quality three-year-old. Yeah, he certainly is. And um, he's battled some bad draws. Finally got a good draw in that derby the other night and, and was able to finish them off in style. And I guess the other the positive that you could look at it that way is if... Um, Barry Purden opts to bring Merlin across. Of course, he's owned in Queensland interests as well. Um, if he comes across, you'd, you'd fully expect that he's probably got a few travelling companions and um, he's always got a nice horse somewhere, no matter the age, Barry Purden. So, um, you know, he could bolster some of those other races as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've got to make a call to Barry's brother-in-law, Tony Hurlihy, because I think he's got an ideal candidate for the new trotting feature, the Great Square, Double Delight. She's bred to be a pacing machine but she trots like an absolute demon and uh, she was victorious there at that same meeting last Friday night. So I think it might be well worth a call uh, to find out if Double Delight might head to the carnival to contest that great square. So we'll wait and see. Uh, just on the drivers, we've got the Australian Female Drivers' Championship Saturday night, but just locally, Nathan Dawson creating history there earlier in the week and Narissa McMullen, great to see her back driving yesterday as well. So that's a, a real boost, uh, both uh, getting that record having Narissa back behind the other horses yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And um, um, Nathan, it's just a huge week. And off the back of the fastest 100, it might have gone a little bit um, perhaps under the radar a little, to a certain degree. But um, his win on our modern mini yesterday was his 1,500th winning drive as well. So, um, you know, he's brought up that 1,500. We knew it wasn't far away. He's, been able to get the, that fastest to 100 title and um, all, all going ahead, he'll be uh, the Australian champion later this year. Narissa, great to see her back on track. She's um, been at the track with some of her runners that she's trained, but back driving yesterday. And um, it was really pleasing to see the, the first drive she had yesterday on that two-year-old, um, just fired it off the arm and straight to the front. Wasn't able to hold on and win the race, but uh, there was nothing lost there in in her um, her skills of firing one off the arm and it won't be long till she's back in the winner's circle and quite possibly defending the last time she won it in Queensland, the Australian Female Drivers title. So that'll be a great setup this Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just from the trials yesterday, number of key trials yesterday, uh, most notably uh, Hot and Treacherous, uh, he stepped out in the final trial yesterday. He was able to win that trial. Heaven and Loxley was in the trial, made the break going uh, down the back straight. Uh, so it was probably a little inconclusive on, on what was going to happen there. He ended up winning the trial by close to 50 metres, 55.9. He finished off in 27.4. He had a good look around, I know that. But uh, that's a pleasing sign moving forward for uh, Jack Butler. But he looked pretty comfortable out there yesterday. Yeah, Chloe had a pretty strong handhold on him and home in 27.4 and, and extending that margin. I think, like you said, nothing too conclusive, but uh, there was plenty to like in how he's finished that off. And, um, yeah, it was a it was a nice effort. Um, the first trial, uh, Shane Graham looks to have a, a reasonable one there too in Lord Zarius. He, um, he finished off nice. There was a bit of a strange one. He seemed to come back to the field a little bit at about the 400 and then just went zip and away he went again and um, yeah he he closed that trial out pretty nicely as well so with that being said uh, stand start trial there yesterday for lords arise he had mac da vinci behind the tape last week so 
We know Turn It Up's gone around the Redcliffe Cup. He could easily have a three-pronged attack going into this year's Redcliffe Cup. Yeah, certainly. So, Lord Zarius, he's a 90 rater, so he's certainly up in the grades. So, um, yeah, there's every possibility that that's the case. And we've, of course, um, it's done well now that it's almost like a standing start season um, approaching. We get get all the lead-up races and then we've got the flashing red and the Redcliffe Cup. So, um, plenty of stand start options there. And he flew the tapes, uh, that guy, yesterday, so um, be keen to see where he goes. And just another one from Shane Grahams out of the trials yesterday. Had trialled well previously, made a mistake yesterday. That's Agent Black for a two-year-old trotter. Geez, he looks to have a bit of a motor. Mm, yeah, that was a trial yesterday. And the other one that I liked from the trials yesterday, moving forward, it'll be interesting to see how she continues to develop. Thought it was a good trial last week, even better yesterday. Born to right, unraced this uh, three-year-old filly. 56.9 and, and she did it easily winning by a huge margin so might be a, a nice uh, maybe carnival type filly moving forward Yeah, you, when you spoke to Tim Butt last week he, he seemed um, relatively confident that she was a nice horse so um, she did that nice yesterday as well so um, yeah, uh, about 20 metres I think back to the second place horse so did it all out in front yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, nine races coming through at Reckliff tonight. We start at 5.55. Where do we find Darren Clayton's best bet? Yeah, I think we need to be patient, wait till uh, the second last race, race eight, away overnight. He's been good to us before. Doesn't draw very well, but he hasn't drawn very well at all of late. Um, gate six he has tonight. Um I think he finds another field here where he can capitalise. If he has to go forward and sit outside him, he can. Or if he can come from the back, he can do that as well. And I thought uh, he'd be too good for them. Race 8, number 6, away overnight. 2.40 with tab fixed price right now. Was there anything else that stood out tonight? Yeah, there's, um, again, sticking with the uh, Nathan Dawson factor and, and Ben Battle. I'm hoping Ben and Nathan can combine here. Race four, horse five, Tomcat. Um, he was favourite last time out. He couldn't get across and uh, he had to work hard and he wasn't too far away. Rock and Roll Times was able to win that race. Um, he's been in good form, although he did have a bit of an issue yesterday. But um, I thought in this race here, Tomcat might just be able to, to find the right position. Good bit of speed to his inside, but he can get it done for us. Race four, horse five, Tomcat. 310 currently tab fixed prize. Let's focus on the quaddy so we can finish off with um, a way overnight there in that last leg. So throw some numbers for those first couple of legs tonight, please. Yeah, so first leg I thought it's a race in two with two Moon and Niner. I thought she leads and from there it will take no end of beating. Um, the danger being Gyranja or Gyran, Guy, I don't even know how to say it, Rainbows, <laughs> horse number eight. Um, she'll be first up for a three-year-old. She was okay as a two-year-old. She had a win, a couple of minors, um, and just I think she's open favourite already. She should be able to follow through, and if um, she's come back uh, anywhere near how she finished off as a two-year-old, she'll certainly take some stopping. Race six, the second leg, uh, feeling the power. Jeez, he's cost me plenty over the last few weeks. I'm giving him another chance, even though he's out in gate six. Just thought uh, he might be able to get it done this time. He's, he was only a half neck away last time. I thought Jamaican Resort looked the leader in this. If he can get across, he might just uh, give a bit of cheek. Throw in number two always at night. He won't be too far away 
the third leg, race seven. Um, going with two here, even though number two, Bling the Luck, is a short price favourite. Um, I got it on top. It's a newcomer, comes up from New South Wales to join Jack Butler's stable. And also throw in Talk Rider. Um, if the one holds the front and holds out, Bling the Luck will. Um, Talk Rider might just get that right trip to, to finish up the passing lane. So two and seven in the third leg, and as you mentioned, anchoring number six in the final leg. Okay, so your numbers for the quaddy tonight, two and eight into two, four, six, then two and seven, and we finish off with six only, and that's your best bet tonight. Race eight, number six, away overnight, as I mentioned, currently reading out at $2.40. The other one that you're keen on tonight uh, comes up in race four. It's horse five, Tomcat. I'm led to believe that Ben Battle's got a new one from New Zealand, yet to be confirmed whether it's a pacer or a trotter, but I'll keep digging on that. Uh, throughout the week and see if he's got a, a trotter in his barn. Speaking of Pete McMullen, uh, he had a day out yesterday, so whilst all the hype's been on, on Nathan, Pete being the reigning Australian driver of the year, uh, driving quartet yesterday, and it looks like he's got some pretty handy drives there tonight, so he might be trying to make up for some lost time. Yeah, certainly, and he's, he's on, his, on his way back with uh, full throttle, so um, yeah, he's four winners yesterday and a mixture whisper of secret geez he was impressive um in, in getting back into winning form or returning for his three-year-old season so he's got another nice one there does the stable um yeah so he's making up for lost what did you make of the two-year-old yesterday riley rainbow yeah thought it was really good um sort of once it balanced up and really let down i thought uh yeah i thought that was pretty impressive got locked away probably not where it wanted to be but he never panicked, and, and uh, when he did find open space, um, she did have that sprint, and uh, her dam, uh, Argyle Beach, certainly had a, a pretty sharp sprint when she let go as well, so um, she looks to have a bit of her mum's ability, and uh, yeah, she's got plenty in the breeding side of things to take her a long way, so looking forward to that. Just as a side note, you mentioned it with Andrew Kelly about the um, the selection for the Australian selection for the drive, World Drivers title. Um, just one to look at. Um, I guess who they choose then, if it's comes down to how they're performing in the state premiership, and what would you give more? Well, fewer, fewer Nathan current position, and they offered you that title. Would you chase the Australian title and the state title with being away for two, three weeks at a time, or would you would you take the Australian colours? Uh... I would probably take the Australian colours. Yeah, I would too, but everyone's yeah. different and I guess yeah. it depends what your goals are, but um, it's certainly something that would probably come in come into to factor. So, um, yeah. of course, it depends who gets asked to do it. That's, that's the other thing. Well, hopefully that decision won't be too far away. And just going back to Andrew Kelly, the NR system, um, that, that this is a... A subject that just never seems to go away and there's a lot of talk at the moment with two-year-olds and the whole NR system so as soon as you win run race you're sort of then pitted against older horses so it just doesn't seem right at the moment does it? Now uh, I think there needs to be some fine-tuning overall uh, and he made a really important point and it's and it does carry a lot of weight in that it needs to work hand-in-hand hand with your programming um, 
Yeah, you, you see two-year-olds now, a perfect case yesterday, Bronski Zulu, it won its two-year-old race on debut, it's then its last two starts, it's running up against older horses, the race that was in yesterday, yesterday far more experienced horses it was, it was tackling, but I guess you look back to, to your two-year-old, um, your programming, back when we had a, say it was a 2CO, so two-year-olds that hadn't won a race, they won one race, and then the next, they were a 2C1. We, we, we had races that were 2CO slash 2C1. Well, why and why don't we have a race? And I don't know, they, maybe they have and I haven't seen them, but why don't we have a race programmed for um, two-year-old horses that have won no more than one race? And that way you still get your two-year-old maidens and the horse that's won one race gets in that same race. So um, I guess it's one of those things that needs fine-tuning and um, hopefully they can work out the best way to attack it.